Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you are here today. I believe that God has uh, something for you and he has something for me and it's going to be a good day in the house of God. Uh, Welcome. If you're new to the church, this is a great first day for you to be here. Uh, And if you're not new, it's a great day to be at GT. Uh, Welcome online. If you're here and joining us online, we welcome our viewers, GT North as well. We love you all and are believing God for amazing things. And, and I believe that God has something specific for each one of us, whether it is we're online or GT North or here in the room today. Uh, before I share the message, I want to uh, invite you to come back tonight. Uh, we have a worship night planned. We've had this on our calendar for a couple of months now. Tonight at 6 o'clock right here in the worship center. Uh, both locations, so GT North, we'd love for you guys to come down and, and lock arms with us and worship with us online. If you can be here in the, in the building this morning, uh, we'd love for you to come out tonight at 6 and worship with us. Just a, you know, worship night is just that. I mean, there will be a short exhortation in the Word, maybe five or ten minutes, but primarily we'll come tonight just to, to be in God's presence, to seek the face of God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so I want to I invite us to come back tonight, bring your kids. You know, we don't have kids men or student men, but bring them with you and experience this uh, an atmosphere of worship tonight as we exalt the name of Jesus. Six o'clock here, I believe that God's going to move. I believe that there's a stirring happening here at GT. Anybody else sense that with me at GT? Come on, that God is stirring this church. I've been praying for a couple of years now for a move of God, uh, for God to stir us into something fresh, a fresh wind of the Spirit. I believe that it's been happening and, and it's just getting started here at GT. We see it in other parts of the country. Maybe you've followed some of what's happening at Asbury University in Kentucky. God is stirring. Wouldn't it be awesome for God to stir the nation towards him? You know, we're not, I'm not, I've, I'm not gonna be a critic. I hope that you're not either. Let's just celebrate when God moves, and let's not expect that when God moves, it always looks the same. God is, God's already been moving at this church. I, want, I hope that every pastor in America who stands on a stage is believing that God's moving in their church too, or they don't belong on the stage. We should be believing God for a move of a spirit in every church in America. Let's believe that together, and let's, let's let God stir us towards that, not an emotionalism, but in a true move of the Spirit of God. And I sense that many of you are just leaned in and believing God for a fresh wind of his spirit of GT. So I'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. So today we are on week three of Faith in Action. And uh, I'm really excited to share a word with you today. Uh, Let me just mention, though, two weeks ago, I started in the book of James, and I didn't start from the beginning. If you were here two weeks ago, you heard I shared a word. Uh, from James chapters two and three about faith and works. And if you're new to your faith or you're a veteran, but you've always wrestled with like, how do I connect the two, faith and works? It's not, uh, it's faith, but faith by itself is dead, James says. So how do I connect works to it? Uh, if, you ha- if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go to our website, uh, go to the church app and watch. I really implore you to watch that message if you've ever wrestled with it. I think that some things that were shared will encourage you and challenge you in your faith. And today I want to get back to the book of James. Last Sunday with ServeLink, Scott Nalgo, our student ministry pastor, was on the stage challenging you to find your fit and make a difference. Today I want to go back to the book of James uh, in chapter one. So if you have a Bible, 
Uh, feel free to open it. All the scriptures I'll read are going to be on the screen behind me, but certainly if you have a device or Bible and you want to follow along, I'll be in the NIV version, the New International Version, in James chapter 1. I want to go back here for two reasons. Uh, number one, the, f- the first reason why I want to open James 1 today with you is because I really felt the Holy Spirit stir me to James chapter 1. I mean, you know, that's a good reason for a pastor to preach, right? Like, I felt like God said to me, like, make sure you don't overlook James 1. Uh, so I'm, I'm in James 1 today because I really felt the Spirit of God stir me in that direction. But I felt like God wanted me to deal with this passage. And I'll, I'll tell you up front, like I did two weeks ago, there's some hard things in what we'll hear today. But I know that you are ready to receive God's word. But there's hard things in here. And here's why the second reason why I think it's important to share this. And I, and I already heard back from somebody in the first service that they really felt like this was for them. Maybe you're here, you're sitting in the front row, the top row, I don't know, you're online. But this is for you, that one of the reasons that I feel God wants you to hear about James 1 is that some of you have sidelined yourselves from serving in the church. You feel like there's a situation, a circumstance in your life, there's a trial that you're enduring right now. And in some way, the enemy has convinced you that you are, for the time being, disqualified from serving. Now, that's all about a sinful lifestyle. If you're in a sinful lifestyle, just repent, turn to God, and he will deliver you and forgive you of your sin. But if, if you're facing a trial in this room and you have, have allowed the enemy to convince you that you aren't worthy right now to be serving in the church because of, I, I feel like God has something to say to you today. And in this passage, there's gonna be, I believe, great hope. None of it is here again to shame you or to condemn you, but to inspire your faith to encourage your faith and to challenge us in the word. So that, that's what I'm gonna share with you today in James 1. And he's gonna talk about, there's gonna be two words that we see over and over in James 1. One is the word trial and one is the word test. Now let me channel your junior high and high school career just for a second. When you heard the word test, you got anxious, right? You got nervous. You're like, oh man, I don't like this. How many like to take tests? Raise your hand. Praise God. Come on. Are you serious, Sabrina? Come on. Most of us don't enjoy tests. And in high school or college, man, it was like the dread. I don't, oh, I don't like tests. I, you know, and I had a trigonometry teacher in high school in 11th grade. My trig teacher, he, he thought that it was a great way to test our knowledge by having unannounced tests. Yeah, see, like pop quizzes, surprise quizzes. He would literally walk into the room. He would, you know, be, you know, talking to other teachers in the hallway. Then when class started, he would walk into our room and he'd say these words, these exact words, Mr. Rudy would say, he's like, all right, let's clear them with that voice. He'd say, all right, let's clear them. Anybody have Mr. Rudy at Wilson High School? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Yeah. Did he say that to you too? No, he said it to us. And when he said that, this was the dread of everybody in the class. Because when he said, let's clear them, it meant get everything off your desk. You have a surprise quiz today. And I hated them. I, in fact, my worst test-taking uh, history was in trigonometry in pop quizzes. I got, one time I got a five out of 40. That's not a passing grade in any class, right? Now, I ended up doing okay in the class, but I, I wasn't always ready for the quiz. 
Now, quizzes, I don't think tests and quizzes were given to punish you. You might have a different opinion because you hated them, but I don't think teachers gave quizzes and tests to punish us or to make our lives needlessly difficult. A test or a quiz was given in school to confirm what you had learned. Sometimes a test came unannounced. And when a test came unannounced, it was an especially good tool to help confirm or verify what you have been learning along your journey. And sometimes, hear me church, sometimes when the test was unannounced, it also served to confirm what you hadn't acquired yet on the journey. That's what it did for me when I got a five out of 40. That pop quiz helped to verify what I hadn't yet acquired along the journey. I wonder what kind of parallels exist in the life of faith. When a trial comes, when a test comes into our lives, I wonder if God isn't, listen, hear me on this. If you know the heart of your father, he's a good father. He loves you with an everlasting love. When, when a trial comes into your life, it has not been sent there to punish you. It's not been permitted in your life to punish you or to cause needless difficulty in your life. We're gonna read in the book of James. This is why this passage is challenging because we're gonna discover together that James says that trials in our lives of all kinds come so that perseverance may be developed in our life. And I want you to, I'm gonna pray in just a second one more time. I want you to listen with a posture of faith today. There's a way that we can receive trials in our lives, and there's, there's, there are many ways, but I want you to think on the trials in your lives right now and, and think of them from a, a viewpoint of faith. What is it that the Holy Spirit might be looking to develop in my life through this trial? And the other thing I wanna pray about today before I open the word is this, because I believe wholeheartedly, I believe this so deeply in my spirit, that there's something uniquely powerful just about reading the scripture in public. And my prayer all week has been that God would release something into your life just as I simply read his word in this setting. That God would by his spirit, that the spirit of the living God who is here today, if you didn't know that, my prayer all week has been that he would literally deposit something supernatural into your soul and into your spirit, just as I read the word. Not my commentary, not my thoughts, my opinions, whatever. Just as I read the scripture, that the spirit of God would make deposits in your lives today. So I wanna to pray to that end. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you that you would do what I cannot. I know, Father, that your spirit is present in this place. And he's stirring us. God, there's a stirring in our church, and we celebrate that. There's something starting at GT. Help us to perceive that. I pray today, God, by the power of your spirit, that as I read your word, that the spirit of God in this place and all over the, the internet, God, who's listening, that you would deposit supernatural truths where they are most needed, that our hearts would be ready to receive, that we would receive this word in a posture of receptivity and faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so I want to jump into James chapter 1. 
James was the half-brother of Jesus, like I shared two weeks ago. He, they shared a mother and not a biological earthly father. James grew up with Jesus. He saw Jesus in all settings. And James was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write an epistle to give his encouragement to brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago in the early church in the first century. And we're going to kind of peer into the words that James had for these brothers and sisters. And I, I'm amazed at the word of God. I hope that you have a, a kind of a marvel to it, God's word, how, how relevant it still is 2,000 years later. James sent this epistle to believers in the, the, the known world, Asia Minor and, and around Judea, Samaria. But these words are so relevant still today because Hebrews 4.12 tells us the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This word I'm about to read to you is still alive and at work in our lives. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, that's good. So here we go, James 1, verse 2. And right off the bat, it's gonna kind of, it's gonna kind of, prick our heart a little bit. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Right off the bat, your natural man is objecting right now. Because some of you are in a trial right now as we speak, as we gather. You've been going through a trial the last week, the last month, the last year, maybe longer than a year. And the last thing that you would ever want to use to describe your trial is pure joy. Some versions, it says, count it all joy. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And you'll notice too, as we read this scripture, James doesn't give any attention to describing the kinds of trials that these brothers and sisters are enduring. So I'm not going to either. You, many of us are facing trials. I wonder though, I wonder if the reason that the Spirit of God didn't have James give a list of trials is that we would understand that trials are so common to our experience on earth. In this broken world, this world that's been broken and cursed by sin, and in the broken world system, trials will come. And the other thing I notice about this text, and maybe you'll notice it too, and this is where it really challenges us. James doesn't give any time to explaining the source and origin of the trials that we face. Because you and I sometimes get really hung up on, did God do this? Why did God allow this in my life? Where did this come from? Is it Satan? Is it the enemy? Is it sin in my life? You and I get oftentimes very caught up in a conversation on where and why did this trial come into my life? And James gives no time to that, but he does tell you what to do about that. So we're going to read this. So I, I guess I should start reading, right? I said I'd read the scripture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Again, we, we're not going to try to wax eloquent about why trials come, but we know that they do. And James doesn't try to tell you that they won't. But he does tell us, he said, whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider a pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
And for those of us who have endured trials and come out on the other side, still believing God, I think we know that when we endure and survive and come out victoriously through a trial, we know that there's something that God has done in my life to develop perseverance that maybe wouldn't have come about any other way. There, is it possible, friend, that there are trials that have come into your life because God understands that there's no other way for him to produce what he's producing in you except through that trial? Again, I, I don't, we're not gonna spend time on, well, why did God, let, like, James tells you how to deal with that in just a second. I will get there, I promise. Faith lesson number one. A faith orientation or posture during trials produces perseverance. How do I deal with a trial? How should I conceive and perceive of this trial in my life right now? You should see it through the eyes of faith. You should see it through the eyes that my God has never left me nor forsaken me. My God loves me with an everlasting love. My God is good. My God has a plan for my life. And this trial that I'm facing is temporary. And I will see it through the eyes of faith because God is working something in me while I go through this trial. Verse four, James said, let perseverance finish its work. So James is telling us that there is purpose in your trial. If perseverance has work to do, then God is working something in you during a trial. What kind of trial? I don't know what kind of trial. James says all kinds of trials can produce perseverance. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This, again, this is where our human nature, our flesh, we get a little bit like uncomfortable with this. We're like, well, God, isn't there another way like for me to be mature and complete? James is telling us that one of the things that God is doing in your life while you are enduring a trial and having a mindset of faith is that he is making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. The second faith lesson that I would draw out to this is God's plan, and this is, again, not easy for us to hear, but is it possible that God's plan for your spiritual growth sometimes includes trials of many kinds? Sometimes God's plan is that we would grow out of and through our trial. I, again, not my place to tell you that God sent a trial into your life but if it's there, God has ultimately permitted it, right? Are you with me? Say amen. Okay. GT North, are you with me? Say amen. Praise God. But if it's there, God has noticed it. It hasn't. Listen, not one trial that you are ever going to face has taken God by surprise or has slipped his notice. Nothing you are enduring in this life has escaped the view of your God. He sees it all. He knows it all. He cares for you. And he wants to work something in you while he walks with it through you. It goes on. He says this in verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, in case you weren't sure, that's all of us, right? Every one of us lacks wisdom at times. James says, so this is his answer. James, what do I do? I've got a, I'm going through a trial of many kinds. And James says, it's producing perseverance. It will finish its work to be mature and complete, not like anything. So what do I do about that? He goes right into, if you lack wisdom, this is the answer. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Isn't that amazing that God looks at us 
and doesn't see our faults. He sees our potential. Again, he's not ignorant. He knows they're there. But when he looks at you, he sees Christ in you. He sees your potential. He sees all the designs that he has in your life. God doesn't get caught up with our faults and our weaknesses and our, 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 our infirmities. He sees the good in you too. Sometimes we, get so, we, we put the shame and the guilt on ourselves and God's not putting it there. So if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. James says, if you lack wisdom, you are facing a trial today. And I don't know where it came from. You don't either. You're, what do I do? James says, seek God's face. Ask God for wisdom so that you can understand why this trial is in your life and so that you can learn what the Spirit of God is trying to teach you in that trial. James, what do I do? James says, seek God, ask him for wisdom, and he gives generously to all without finding fault. Every single one of us can be the recipient of God's wisdom. All we need to do is ask. Then he says this. He says, but when you ask, I, wanna, I do want to pause here for a second. When you ask. <clears throat> How many of you are parents in this room? Raise your hand. Many of you are parents and you've raised children. We all know as parents, if your, your kids are old enough, you have observed in their lives that at times they have learned how to be very strategic in their asking. Am I right? Like they have, listen, your children, you may not want to believe this, but they know your soft spots. They know how to ask in the right way. They want to, they're looking to, to maximize opportunities to ask at the right time in the right way. If you have a daughter, they'll bat their eyes at you, you know. My daughter does that sometimes. She gets that really like soft like look on her like, because she knows that dad has a soft spot. Okay, moms, you have soft spots too. Let's just be honest, right? But we, we as parents, we've learned that there, there are different ways that our children ask for things. There's not just one way to ask for something. James is about to tell us when we ask God, this is how we should ask for something. James says this, if you're listening, say amen. But when you ask, again, I, I don't think James necessarily had bolded this or put italics under it or underlined this word, but when I read this today, it, it kind of hits me like, but when you ask, 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 but when you ask, but when you ask, but when you ask, but when you ask, James says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Let me just let that rest on our spirit for a minute. James says, but when you ask, what am I asking for? James says, you're asking God for wisdom. For what? To understand my trial. To understand what God is doing in my life while I walk through this trial by the power of the Holy Spirit. And James says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. That literally means do not waver or do not be of two opinions. The literal meaning of that word to doubt means to be double-minded, to have two opinions. It looks like this. I believe that God will do this. And then on the other side of your mind, I believe that God won't do this. He will, he won't. He will, he won't. 
He can, he can't. He can, he can't. That's what James is describing. And, and at, at some point, he's describing all of us. We battle. This is why James writes this by the, by the Holy Spirit. He writes this because he knew that we would struggle with this, but he's giving us an exhortation. He says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. This is where it gets hard. Look at what he says. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person, what person? The person that asks and doesn't believe but doubts. This is the person, James says. That person whose, whose mind is overwhelmed with doubt and not with faith, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the word of the Lord. Again, that's where, that's where it gets very convicting for all of us because every one of us at some point in our lives, we've, we have battled with double-mindedness. We've, we've faced a trial of many kinds and I don't know, again, they're all different, but there's been a trial in your life. There is a trial in your life and you're battling to mute the voice of doubt and to amplify the voice of faith in your life. How do I do that? Ask God, right? James says, ask him and he will give liberally wisdom to assess and perceive the situation. What else do I do? The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured a trial. Did you hear me, church? Jesus endured a trial. Why would we be immune? who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. What do I do in a trial? I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Even Peter walking on the water. When Peter took his eyes off of Christ and put his eyes on his, his circumstance, he began to sink. But he was restored in the water when he reset his eyes and his fixture on Jesus Christ. And maybe the one thing that God wants for you to do today is to reset your eyes on Jesus. Man, to me, that would be an absolute win every Sunday if the people of God reset our, our focus on Jesus. Every Sunday, if you drifted away from thinking on Jesus, elevating him, putting him in the center of your life, if every Sunday when you came to church, you refocused your eyes on Jesus, man, that's a check in the wind column. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. I'm going to jump down to verse 12 now. This is how he finishes this thought. He kind of changes topics for a little bit, then he comes back to this same thought. In verse 12, he says, blessed is the one who perseveres. And again, I, I would say to you today, church, I'm not sure how this will come out right now, but I, I, I feel like the Lord wants to address this, like, one of the greatest wins that you can experience in a trial is simply that you come out on the other side with your faith intact. Because too often in our churches across the world, when people encounter a trial, their faith collapses. And they lose their focus on God and they lose their faith in Jesus. 
And one of the greatest things that you can do is the word that James used, that you can persevere in the trial. One of the ways for you to win in a trial is simply to come out on the other side, persevering in your faith, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus himself said this, it rains on the just and the unjust. Church, Jesus never promised to shelter you from all the rain in this life. But he promised to be with you in the middle of it. So James says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friend, when you come out on the other side of a trial, still loving Jesus, James says, there is in store for you the crown of life. The crown of life. You know, in the ancient culture, a crown was a mark or symbol of a couple things. Number one, a crown, hear me church, it was a mark of royalty. Now you and I are far removed from a, a kingdom where there's a king and a queen. I mean, unless you follow the royal family in England and Britain and all that. But in America, we don't have people who wear crowns. But in the ancient culture, it was a very common thing. There was always a king. There was a Caesar. There was something. And a crown was a symbol of royalty. James says that you and I, as we persevere through the testing of our faith, there is in store for us the crown of life. Can I remind you today, friend, that you have a crown waiting for you as a symbol of royalty, as a son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's a mark on your life and there's a crown awaiting you. Another thing that crowns indicated in the ancient culture, it was a sign or symbol of victory. When a king or a general came back from a war and they came back winning, they would often put a, uh, they would sew together a wreath of, of leaves and put it on their head as a symbol of the victory they had just won. And so James says that as you persevere, as you stand the test of a trial and endure in your faith, there is a crown of life, a sign of royalty and of victory waiting for you on the other side. That's what God wants to do in your life. As we endure, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we ask God for wisdom, as we lean in and believe that God sees it, he knows it, and he's got this, and he has an answer for our problem. And, and, and it's not to elevate perseverance, okay? I'm not trying to say that in some way perseverance will earn your salvation. But perseverance, church, perseverance has a way of confirming what's already there. And when you, when you start a trial and you walk through a trial with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of Christ himself, and you come out on the other side with your faith intact, with your love for Jesus intact, with your confidence in God's presence in your life, that produces something powerful in your life. And it's a reminder that God is with you, that Jesus will sustain you through all things. And that trial that you walk through simply confirms what's been there all along that you are a son and daughter of the king, that you do walk in Jesus' presence, that the spirit of God is inside of you. What do I do? I ask for wisdom and he will give it to us generously. The, the last faith lesson is this. The crown of life awaits those with enduring faith. A crown of life is awaiting those of us who have enduring faith. 
We're going to, um, in just a moment, we're going to give you a chance to put your faith in action. But I, I really felt strongly, let me, and let me just kind of segue on this real quick. I, I don't have time to unpack this, but there may be some of you here who, there's a trial in your life, and it's, it is there by God's design. Let me elaborate. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says that there are times when we should endure hardship as discipline. And there may be some of you here today or some of you joining us online or at GT North, and there's a hardship right now in your life. <clears throat> and it's not just a random trial. It's actually there by God's hand because he's disciplining you as a child. In fact, Hebrews says, God disciplines those he loves. And sometimes we come under the Lord's discipline because there's something in our life that doesn't belong there, whether a sinful thought pattern, a habit, a sinful lifestyle. And, and God may bring discipline into your life to, to reveal that there's something there that doesn't belong there so that you can then turn from your sin and repent and surrender to God. And the question would be, well, how do I know the difference? Go back to James 1. James says, ask and it will be given to you, right? Ask God for wisdom and he will help you discern, am I being disciplined? Am I being attacked by the enemy? Is there infirmity in my life? Is there some kind of spiritual oppression? I don't know, but God does. What do I do? I ask God and he will give wisdom generously to all without finding fault. The reason I wanted to talk about James 1 is because some of you have been putting on hold faith in action. You've been sidelined because you feel like you're not qualified right now and you just can't serve God. And I just want some of you to really feel encouraged today that even though you're facing a trial of many kinds, it's there, God wants to use it to produce perseverance in your life that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything so that when you have stood the test, you will receive the crown of life for the, all those who love the Lord. I was handed a word, you know, a prophetic word came forth at 9 a.m. Another one came forth at 11 a.m. And I want to read this to you. I'm going to try to read it straight through. And I, I said this at 9, and I want to remind you today at 11, you're in a Pentecostal church right now. We believe in the gifts of the spirits. We believe that God has gifted some in our fellowship with gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and that God wants to use the gifts to edify, to build up the body of Christ. And, and somebody handed me this, somebody I know and trust, and um, I'm gonna read it as best I can. Her handwriting doesn't uh, fit my eye so well, so I'm gonna do my best. Um, it says this, I have called you by name. Okay, maybe this is for one person. Listen to the word of the Lord for you. I've called you by name. You are mine. My power is sufficient for you because my power comes through your weakness. I've called you to tell others, tell them through your words and through your life and your actions. Do not be afraid as you go. Pray in my name and mountains will crumble. Pray, pray, come to me now and pray for the lost. Now is the time to come the hard ground of your heart and break free to become who I created you to be. 
Pray for those who are still held captive by the enemy. There is freedom coming in your life, in your family, in your church, in your city, in your nation. Let's believe, church, that God is stirring our nation. Stand, stand firm. I am here. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is the word of the Lord for us today. And that obviously is not the only word of the Lord. I believe that the word I just preached is God's word for us today. And I wanna, I wanna give you a couple ways to respond. Number one, on your way in, you, could, you re, should have received our, our local outreach card. This outlines ways that you can put your faith in action over the next three months. We partner with many organizations in this community. And they're all listed here on the one side, tells you all the different organizations and ministries that we partner with on a regular basis. We support them monthly. That's what we're going to do in a second, receive an offering for them. Um, And on the back is three months worth of opportunities for you to put your faith in action. If you need more detail, you can always stop by our missions hub on the way out and talk with one of our team members. They'd love to talk with you, describe these opportunities. But these are ways that you can put your faith in action today. And um, the other way that we're going to put our faith in action is we're going to receive an offering today. And I'll tell you how I believe this connects. You're my, man, that's really odd, a, a message about trials, and you're asking me to give. Well, I want to say something very clearly to you. When we receive an offering, about five or six times a year, we'll receive a second offering in our service. Many of you know we're a missions church. We support 140 missionaries around the world. We have a, we have a fund called Project Impact. And Project Impact is a way that we give so that we can support global projects church expansion, and local outreach. And there's one of our ministry partners in Reading called Hope Rescue Mission. They're, they're probably 100 years old, but they are now building a shelter for homeless women in our city. Come on, yeah, that's good. There are, there are several shelters that, are, uh, that target opportunity for homeless men, but there aren't many that are available for homeless women. And Hope Rescue Mission is building Lighthouse Christian, Lighthouse Women's Shelter. You're gonna see some pictures behind me. They're in construction right now and they need our help. Uh, As you can imagine, construction costs have been inflated over the last couple of years through our economic uh, trying times. And so I wanna, we wanna give you an opportunity to give. I do not want you to feel pressured today. Maybe you're here for the first time. You're like, wow, like, This church, they take two offerings a day. Man, they really, all they care about is money. I want to say that to you because I want you to know certainly that that is not all we care about. And sometimes it's just important for for us to say some things. But we do care about the mission of God. And the mission of God is funded by the people of God. And we believe that God wants to use us in powerful ways to partner with other ministries in our community to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And so we, we receive a second offering for Project Impact today. You should, not feel compa- you should not feel obligated to give if you're here for the first time. There's no pressure. But we do want to give opportunity. If, if God is stirring you to give, to be a part of a solution in Reading, then I, want, I do want you to consider giving. I do want you to ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what to give in this offering. If you want to give mobilely online, the key word is lighthouse. If you want to give through your mobile device, and you can do it that way. But I'm going to, 
We're gonna pray today and then we're gonna close our service in a very specific way, but I wanna pray for this offering. Pray that it's used mightily, whether whether we receive $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever. Like, we're just giving opportunity so that we can partner with Hope Rescue Mission as they build this women's lighthouse shelter. Let's pray. Father, today, God, we commit all things to you. We know that all that we have, James himself says in chapter one, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. So everything that we have in our lives is from your hand anyhow. So God, as we give in this offering, we commit it to your hand and trusting God that you will multiply it to make a difference at Hope Rescue Mission, to make a difference as they build Lighthouse Women's Shelter so that they can care for and give a hand up to women in our city. I pray that you bless our giving now in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you, church, for your consideration and for your obedience to give to this Project Impact offering. There's a couple other ways that I'd like for you to respond to this message. Again, it's faith in action. I want you to be stirred by the word of God. Uh, If you have never come to coffee with the pastor, uh, immediately following the service in room 101, Tony mentioned already, right through these doors or go around outside and come to 101. My wife, Kate, and I would love to spend 30 minutes with you as a group, share our story in, in very compressed fashion and talk about the mission, the vision, the values of the church. Many of you signed up for Sir at ServeLink last Sunday. Over 100 people signed up to take a step. So some of you, this is your next step. Join us for Coffee with the Pastor. We'd love to have you there. Uh, some of you, maybe your next step is just to get involved at the church. Uh, we have a prayer night that happens. You know, if you, you're a veteran believer, you know that Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Our missions teams have been praying on Tuesday nights in the worship center. They've been praying for some time on Tuesdays at 6 p.m., There's gonna be a shift here. We're gonna have prayer nights every first Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. right here in the worship center. Open to anyone. You don't have to be part of the mission team. Anybody who wants to come at 6 p.m. every first Tuesday of the month. When does it happen, Pastor Scott? Every first Tuesday. Is it every Tuesday? No. Every first Tuesday of the month, 6 p.m., you're welcome to come and just pray with a group of people. I'll be there sometimes. Pastor Maritza is there sometimes, our pastoral team sometimes, but you don't need a pastor to pray, right? It's the house of God. This is the house of prayer. Every first Tuesday, 6 p.m., you can pray. I want to remind you, too, of our healing ministry. We have groups of people who gather on Monday night and on Saturday morning to pray for people who have any kind of need in their life, whether you have a physical need, a financial need, a family situation, any prayer need at all. Our teams would love, love, love to pray with you. How do I do that? You call the church office, talk to one of our receptionists, and they will help you schedule an appointment so that you have dedicated time with one of our prayer teams on a Monday night or a Saturday morning. And we'll have a group of three or four people. They'll just believe God with you, love on you, and and storm the throne room of heaven in faith, believing that the prayer of the righteous will make the sick person well and bring God's answer to all people. And so if you have a, a need, call the church office and They would love to schedule you for an appointment. So here's how I want to close this service today. So there are, there's no doubt that there are many of you in this room. And if you are online today, if you're GT North, you're going to do the same thing that I'm going to ask here at West Lawn. If you're in this room and you would say, Pastor, I am, I am going through a trial of some kind. Again, James makes no effort to describe what they are. 
But you would say, Pastor, there is a trial in my life right now. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be psychological, mental health, or it might be in your family or your workplace. But if there is a trial that you are facing right now in your life, I want to ask you to stand to your feet right where you're sitting. Just stand up. Say, yes, God, it's me. I'm, I'm going through a trial in my life. Maybe this is why James doesn't try to define them. Trials of many kinds. Look around this room, and I, I want to be clear, because somebody standing doesn't mean they're in sin, doesn't mean they don't have faith. It means they're facing a trial. I see many great men and women of faith on their feet right now in this room. Pillars of our church. Uh, you should never think that be, that, that any of us will be exempt from trials. Jesus said it rains in the just and the unjust. And I, I ask you to stand because it's an indication that it's a step, right? God is always inviting us to the next step. And when we stand, it's a sign that God, I'm... And, and James literally says, I'm gonna read this again. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Every one of you in this room right now, and even at GT North Online, if you're standing, you are persevering. You're standing in faith today. You're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a church right now. You're not at home. You're not in bed. You're not at work. You're in a church right now. That's, a, that's an indication that you stand in faith today. And James said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test. I wanted you to stand today because I want you to see yourself withstanding the trial that you are in. I want you to see yourself standing up under the pressure that you're facing today. And I want you to know something, church, that you don't stand alone. You have the Spirit of God. You have Jesus himself. But I, I don't want you to stand alone today. And if you're sitting near somebody who's standing, I want you to stand up right now. And I want you to put a hand on their shoulder. All over this church, we're going to pray for one another today. I can't think of a better, better way to close the service and for us to pray one for another in this room. Please, if somebody was standing near you and they don't yet have a brother or sister agreeing with them in prayer, please go find them. Come out of your seat. Get a hand on them. And I want you to believe with them as they stand the test. I want you to believe for God's supernatural power to flow through you. There's not only one person in this room through whom the power of God can flow. Right, church? Every one of us is called to be a conduit of the Spirit of God and of His power. And I want you, when I pray today, I'm going to pray, I'm going to dismiss our service through this prayer right now. And we're going to believe together for all those who are standing a test, who are enduring a trial, that God would not only sustain them, but that God would embolden their faith, that God would strengthen their faith, that God would mature and complete us. And that there would be a persevering, enduring faith in their life today. And so when I pray in just a second, I want you to lift your voice too. There's not just one person in this room that can pray. Every one of you is equipped to pray, to, to boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence according to Hebrews chapter four, chapter six rather. I want you to lift your voices and pray with me. Let's pray together, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this room, let's make this a prayer meeting right now. Let's lift our voices all over this room. All over this room, God, we come to you in, in the name of Jesus. 
And we come by the spirit of our God and by the power of his presence in our lives. And God, we come today on behalf of our brothers and sisters who stood before you today. They stood, God, as an indication that they are ready to stand the test of their faith. God, whether it's a physical need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's an emotional need, whether there's some kind of depression that they're facing. God, whether there's anxiety, whether there's worry or fear in their life right now, God, we speak together. We lift our voices all over this room and we condemn fear in this room. We command the presence of God in this place to fill those who are hungry. Jesus, you said the blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. And I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus to fill every person in this room who hungers and thirsts after you, God. Lift our voices, church. Lift your voices today, church, in this room. Cry out to God. God, we ask you for wisdom in this place. Yes, God, according to James chapter one, we ask you today for wisdom in this house. And we hold you, God, to your word, not in a proud way, but God, we come with expectation that your word says that God, when we ask for wisdom, when we ask in faith, that you would give generously to those without finding fault in us. God, in the name of Jesus, we, re we rebuke the voice of the enemy who wants to cast fear and doubt and condemnation on your children. God, I pray that each person in this room would see themselves already wearing the crown of life on their heads. God, that they are crowned with royalty as a son and daughter of the king. God, release your word today in this place. God, release your power in this place and that everybody who stood that God, they would also see themselves wearing a crown of victory in this place. God, we lift our voices today. We cry out to you, Father, in faith. And God, I pray one more thing, Father, anybody who's in this room who's, who would say, God, I feel like I struggle with double-mindedness. God, today I pray that you deliver them into a mind of faith that, God, you would empower them by the work of your Holy Spirit to mute the voice of doubt in their heart, to mute the voice of doubt in their flesh. And, God, I pray that by the power of your name, that, God, you would amplify the voice of faith in Jesus in this place. God, we fix our eyes on Jesus in this place, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit? So that he can intercede for each one of us. So God, in the name of Jesus, we speak your life over your children today and in this place. God, let there be a stirring in our midst. God, let there be a move of God at GT Church. God, I pray for breakthroughs on this Sunday as well, God. Breakthroughs in our lives. Breakthroughs, God, in our bodies. God, you know your children's needs. And so God, we simply do what James said to do. We ask and we seek. In Jesus' name we pray. And the faith-filled church said amen and amen and amen. Listen, I love you so much, church. I really love you so much. If you, if you want prayer, like specifically, I know we already prayed together and
man, you can be released. But if you still have a longing for a, a group or some of our prayer team members to come and pray with you, you can walk this way. They'll be ready for you. They'll find you and they'll pray over you and believe God for his touch in your life. Otherwise, I'll see you tonight at worship night. God bless you. Have an amazing day in the Lord.